Welcome to Listen by Jean Ginsberg. This audio experience and podcast is all about social media, digital marketing, entrepreneurship, and interviews with top entrepreneurs in the digital and social space. I'm your host, Jean Ginsberg, digital marketing expert, number one best-selling author, and award-winning entrepreneur. I will be sharing with you strategies, tips, and tactics on how to grow your business and your social media following. Thanks for listening. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode. Very excited. We have a special guest today, Rebecca Barr, somebody I actually met through YPO, the Young Entrepreneurs Organization. How's it going, Rebecca? Great. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing I'm doing great. We actually know we've known each other for a little bit since I've been in I've been in YPO for only a couple of years. I'm sure you've been a little bit longer and it's it's nice to connect with other entrepreneurs and actually just offline we were talking about federal contracting. Yep. <laughs> to tackle that problem. But uh, let's get into you. First question I always ask our guests is tell us a little bit about our, tell us a little bit about you so that you can give our audiences some context about your background. Sure. Well, I am trained actually and certified as a speech language pathologist. That was my first career. And I was, I ended up in a situation where I had the ability and opportunity to take over a family business in 2014 which I decided to do. And that led me to leave my first career and basically start a career running the business that I run today. Today, it's called Allion. Back then, it was called All Staff Technical Solutions. And I have been running and managing it since 2014. Awesome. So what is the business all about? We started out, when I took over, we started out only doing federal government contracting. And I was involved in the, the creation of the business from, from 2009, from when it was created, but was not running it at the time. And we focused at the time only on federal government IT subcontracting, which we still do. But today, that's only one of our divisions. We have expanded into healthcare staffing and commercial IT staffing. Commercial IT for us means anything that's not government IT. Gotcha. And so primarily serving sounds like federal governments, federal government agencies, healthcare agencies, and... And corporate clients who have IT service needs. Gotcha. And what can you share a little bit more about? So the healthcare is also IT related or is it healthcare staffing for like nurses and other types of... It is healthcare staffing. So traditional healthcare environments, healthcare staffing both clinical and non-clinical, but on the clinical side, we, we do place many, many nurses. Gotcha. And tell us a little bit more about the IT piece. So uh, is it just all kinds of staffing or maybe a little bit of color there? Sure. Yeah, we actually, we focus on, on four main areas, application development, program and project management, engineering, infrastructure support, but we really range from, it's really, we have, we have employees that are working on government contracts anywhere from help desk, PC tech desktop support technicians, all the way up through some high-level cybersecurity positions in, you know, with the Department of Defense. So it really just depends on what contract our, we're, we're on and what the needs of our client are. And most of these government contracts, a lot of them have, have needs spread across all of those areas. Okay. so. 
typically the problem that you're solving for these companies is that they're just not hiring them, hiring their own staff in-house or how is that, to, why, why would they go to, to your company? So, well, there's two different reasons for the two different divisions. So on the, on the government side, for the most part, the niche that we fill is two-pronged. I mean, first it's our past performance and you know, our history supporting the, these exact type of positions on government contracts. And also we're a woman-owned small business. So we help fill that minority set-aside requirement that a lot of the government contracts have. So, you know, there is, and there are a number of other women-owned small businesses that do the same thing that we do. And then what differentiates us, of course, in that sense is then our past, our specific past performance, our methodology, you know, our, um, our, our path. That's on the government side. On the commercial side, a lot of times benefit of using a company like us is if you have a project that you want to, to do on the technology side, but you don't want to hire an employee just for that project or a group of employees for that project and then have to fire them when the project is done. It's more of a contract type situation. You have outsourcing it to another company, you know, just takes that load off of the company just from a, an accountability perspective, but also a liability perspective. So those all of the all of our employees are contract employees. They're all our W two employees, and so we provide. We're the employer of record. We provide full benefits. We provide their four hundred one k. We pay them, and and so that it takes it takes any of the liability or the uh, issues that companies may have if they need to terminate somebody off of their shoulders and, and puts it on ours instead. Right. And can you share a little bit about the scale? Like how many of these con like. I guess they're employees of yours, but contractors that you send out on projects at this point. Today, we have about 100 on the IT side. We have around the same amount on the healthcare side as well, but those are very, very different. But on the IT side, we have about 100 out working at different client sites around the country. That includes federal government yes. contracts as well. Gotcha. And what would you say some of the recent wins that you've had? I mean, it sounds like there's been some changes. You said you started the company or the company was started as, as federal contracting only. It sounds like you've shifted or have looked at other divisions or other sources of revenues. Tell us some of the recent wins that you've had. Um, so let's see. On, on the federal government side, we're actually awaiting a few of a few awards right now. We have about the win for us was how many teaming agreements we are on. We have about 35 teaming agreements out there that we're part of. Some of those will start being awarded this fall. And so it's it's not a win yet, but it's we've set ourselves up as much as we can for a win in that sense. Uh, and let's see, on the healthcare side, I would say our biggest win recently was starting to work directly with Wellstar of Georgia. So we're staffing for Wellstar and that's a direct relationship as opposed to having to go through a, a middle agency. Right. And uh, with all the conversations we're having with AI in the last, I don't know, six months, I'd say, at least for sure in my industry <laughs> and the tech side, we're definitely in the marketing side. We're definitely having a lot of conversations about AI. Has AI impact your company or your industry? And if so, how? And if not, you know, tell us a little bit about that as well. Yeah, it definitely has. And it actually started to show up um, almost almost 10 years ago, really called it AI, it's really more machine learning, I would say. And that, that, that difference is, um, it, those words are often interchanged and, and they're not really the same thing. But the, 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 the technology that, that companies like us use has definitely been impacted by machine learning and into AI. 
And if you don't really, if companies don't have these in place now, they're, they're starting to fall behind. So the idea of, uh, of companies having on-demand platforms where uh, clients and candidates can go and, and look at what jobs are available, apply for a job or schedule a shift, you know, for a nurse right from the app and those apps recognizing nurses you know, or, or IT folks profiles and pushing jobs out to them based on their interests and their, you know, and, and, and their applications. So that, that type of functionality is being used a lot. Chat bots are being used a lot. We have, we're about to launch one on our website to really help with some of the mundane emails, manual emails that our team gets with the same questions over and over again. You know, things like, how do I access my W-2? And when are we getting it? And how do I see my time? How do I enter my time? And how do I look and make my pay stub? You know, things like that, which right now they're, they're emailing our, you know, our HR department or calling the HR department and that person has to take the time out that, that bot will, will hopefully solve a lot of those issues. There's also a lot of AI slash machine learning in, in, in recruiting software specifically of matching candidates, systems are matching candidates with, with job positions, job, job descriptions based on keywords and based on, you know, the keyword piece of it is more of just machine learning, but then there's, there's also training the system to really, to, to recognize the, the, the types of candidates that you select and like more than others. We actually, we piloted our first system in 2015, wait, what was it? 2016 or 17, I think. Technology wasn't quite there yet. Uh, Didn't really work fully the way that we expected it to, but it was cool to test it and then to see how the technology has evolved to where it is today. Hmm. So In terms of AI for the recruiting industry, it sounds like there's been a lot of headway there or a lot of developments there in the last several years, because I'm sure it's, you know, a job application or a job out there might have, you know, hundreds, maybe thousands of applicants. And of course, screening those or going through them is probably very time consuming and laborious. So it sounds like there is already some sort of AI machine learning that's doing that now to help recruiters find yeah to find find talent to to actually do an initial screening on the talent to even send them over to to the client there's there's a YPOer actually who I've talked to who's developing a an AI tool that he he believes is going to replace recruiters completely so I've been talking to him it's interesting. I don't think that that will ever actually happen. I think that you'll always need a human touch in that, or humans will always want, maybe not need a human touch in that process. But I do think that the technology is going to reduce the number of recruiters, for example, a company like mine needs. So that's an interesting segue that I was going to jump into from AI to replacement, right? That's There's been a lot of conversations about oh, we're all going to get replaced or a lot of us are going to get replaced. In my industry in digital marketing, I think there is actually going to be some changes in the future. You know, for example, right now we might have several copywriters who write copy for blogs or social media content or landing pages and with ChatGPT already. Right. Like not even like anything fancy, like not, I'm not even talking about 
you know, like video creation or graphic design, which I think is on is on the chopping block next. Right, but just the content creation itself. Yeah, already is here. And we, you know, we, we're seeing that like, you don't really need that many copywriters because you can just put a lot of stuff into ChatGPT. It might not be perfect, but at least you have right. a good kind of base for how to get things moving with for a blog or for some landing page copy. So I see that already starting to happen in in my in the digital marketing space. Tell me about what you're you're thinking or or envisioning or what you think that the future of work will be, right? Because you're in the staffing space, so there's a lot of recruitment. Like you said, there might be changes with AI for re- replacing recruiters, but not even recruiters, but even the AI staff that you currently have. So, what are your thoughts on that? I think I think especially in recruiting itself, there's there's so much of so much of it is relationship based. And I would say, especially on the healthcare side, uh, the IT side, stereotypically, IT folks, you know, are not people, people, you know, don't necessarily want to stay on the phone and, and have that connection. It's a, of course, it's a stereotype and everybody's different. But on the healthcare side, we find much more of that um, connection with the how important the connection with the recruiter and the company is. It's not about the technology. So I do think that there's going to be some level of human support that's needed. I think the in recruiting there's 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 a few different pieces of recruiting and I think a number of those pieces will be replaced by AI. What we call sourcing, you know, they act usually what's an entry level recruiting job where someone is learning to find the candidates and match the candidates to the job requirements. I think that will get replaced by AI as AI gets better. And even the initial reach outs to candidates, which is already there, will be replaced. I mean, it already is being replaced, but I think that that connection is something that will, can never be replaced by a machine of any kind of someone, of knowing that someone's there helping you find a position, being a career coach. I think, I think the the role of the recruiter is going to change more into this career coach more so than just, I'm going to match you to a position because technology can match, but the recruiter can help can help make you i guess at you know help you be as appealing as possible to the to the the client knowing the the soft skills and the requirements that the client has being able to tailor that applicant to that job and there's a lot of convincing and sales that goes into convincing the candidate to take the job convincing the client to give the candidate a try, a shot to interview, you know, those types of things, machines can't, I don't think we'll be able to do. But a lot of the manual and kind of menial work that that entry level recruiters do, at least, I think will be um, taken over. And a lot of the HR work that that we do will be taken over by machines. And I'm sure people will not be upset to see that part go. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, no, I totally, totally understand. What about IT itself, like in terms of coding? I don't know, I've been hearing that like, oh, well, IT... Like software developers are going to be replaced by machines in the next like five years and there's not going to be a need for software developers. And being in the industry, yeah. do you feel like that's actually valid or is that I think I think it could be. I think it could and may be valid in the future. I think on the government side, it, it will it will take a lot longer to happen. Generally, unfortunately, the government government IT infrastructure and progression is is almost about 10 years behind the commercial world or the world. So I think there's more, there's a more runway 
in the government. But I also think that because of security concerns, I have a feeling that there's still going to be a need for more people doing things than machines. I know the government right now is is dealing with a lot of these ethical and security issues on their contracts. And, and I don't really know how that's going to how that will play out in the especially in the in the Department of Defense and in, you know, the world that requires security clearances and classified information really sure. Um, it, it could be that machines will completely take over everything and that solves the issue, or it could be that they won't because of that issue. So I don't know. It's I don't know is the answer. And I'm, I'm really, um, I'm interested to find out, but I do think someone has to program the AI. So, you know, even if, even if coders are not going to, you know, software developers won't be doing the same type of coding, someone's going to have to program and maintain the AI. Maybe their job will just transfer to that. Yeah, reposition or reframe. What about on the commercial side? I know the government that takes a little bit longer, maybe be another 10, 20 years before there's any many major changes, but I'm sure, you know, everyone's trying to save money on the right. commercial side. What do you think is going to be happening there? I think I think it's going to be the same as the government, but I think it will have it'll happen sooner. And it's happening now. We have yet to see we have not seen any job requirements yet for AI specific positions. We're still we're still seeing companies looking for software developers. So there's still a market out there for it now. Uh, but if the technology, if and when the technology gets to a point where you can just tell it to program something in a language and it's and it's accurate, you know, maybe maybe you need one person to check it over. But I do think that will replace traditional software developers and potentially the software developers have to be more about application of the code and incorporation of it into a larger infrastructure. So their job may change a little bit and be a little bit more strategic rather than rote. But I guess that is all for the future to unfold. And yeah, it's exciting. It's definitely exciting. With that, I also think, I mean, and I know everyone's talking about this now, but there's, there's, um, there's, there's a big gap in all areas between the, the, you know, where we need to go and where we are now. And there are a bunch of people that need to be reskilled, you know, in order to be able to play in this new arena that we'll have with technology. Right. So, you know, it'll be, it'll be interesting at the very least to see, to see what happens. Yeah. Reskilling, let's say from software manager or software developer to AI programmer, right? Yeah, AI programmer, consultant, right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I think absolutely. I think there's going to be a lot of opportunities in reskilling and also, I guess, the back end process of creating those reskilling programs for software developers. But I, 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 I always kind of the last six months I've been wondering, like, is this really for real? Are we, are we just kind of getting ahead of ourselves as a society and being like, oh yeah, everything's going to be replaced by AI and robots in the next five years. And we're all going to be without jobs and we're going to also have to have universal basic income. And I'm like, I if that's going to be that fast. I no, I don't think so. I think it'll take a lot more time. Even even if the capability is there, I think that the social change and the social impact will be so great that we need to take time to implement it. And we should take time to implement it uh, because it could, if it's if that's true, it could really disrupt our entire society. Yeah. I was actually listening to a podcast just over the weekend, a couple of days ago, and they were talking about kind of the the ethical understanding of AI. So like 
the example they gave is like, okay, it's 1944 and you are involved in like the Oppenheimer project, right? Developing the nuclear bomb. Like what are the things that you would want to think about and the ramifications downline, downstream, could be decades downstream, right? Like we had to deal with decades of downstream right. of the Cold War. You know, I was born during the Cold War of, of, you know, these bombs not going off and like of keeping the world safe. And so it was an interesting kind of, you know, parallel to the Oppenheimer project versus like, you know, yeah, we're, we're developing all this AI, but like, are we actually thinking about being intentional with the AI, right? Right, right. Intentional and, and the ethics surrounding AI. Yeah. And I think we're not being that intentional. And so there's, I think, a lot of things that we kind of have to come together as a people, as a, as a, as a sentient beings of creation of AI and where we want to be, right? And how fast that we wanted to grow. And I understand that's going to happen, but also like, I think when you think about the ethical ramifications of what might be happening generations down the line, right? This is exactly sure. with the nuclear bomb. For sure. And we have to make sure that I would love to, for our government to be educated in it as well. I mean, we all saw the, and I don't remember what year this was, but the interviews that, that Congress had with Mark Zuckerberg over Facebook and the ethical issues. And, you know, that was social media and there was no understanding from the kind of congressional perspective of how social media works. And it was frankly embarrassing to watch that. Imagine that the same things are going to happen with AI. If they are not informed of what these changes are and how this works, how are they going to uphold it? And how are they going to slow it down or control it for, you know, for, for the, the country? So there's yeah. a lot of education that has to happen. Yeah, the government, I feel like, is, yeah, well, we talked about how like, the government is behind, but that's true. I remember those hearings were like, the Congress people, like people or whatever, they were like, how do you make money? And right. was like advertising. Yeah, like, like you're obviously you, not media. Like we've been doing this for like 10 years. You didn't know how much, how we make money. Right. <laughs> so, exactly. so, but I think that's part of what the government should be doing. I mean, they didn't learn about social media and with the changes in technology, it's very rapid now. I think it is. part of that very is good. learning about that and the ramifications of AI. And I don't know if the government's really going to be the one stepping in unless something bad happens as they usually do which is what happens right. in social media but i think understanding that and then i think as, as also the species to understand what are the ramifications it's kind of like i have a, i have a contracts attorney and you know look at a contract and he'll be like okay let's look at this scenario what if this happens and then this is the ramification yeah. he'll give me like 20 different scenarios and i'll have to be like why well, okay i want this to happen let's change this language so it's like we need like this kind of contracts attorney like thought yeah. process to be put into like, what well, is a scenario if this happens with AI or? Well, that, I mean, that brings up a good point too of, you know, there probably will be, there'll be attorneys who specialize in AI and there'll be, you know, I wonder if every company is going to have a, an AI ethics person. I don't know what you call it, <laughs> director, but, you know, ethics and application of AI in each company, both from the legal perspective, but also the ethical perspective uh, that creates opportunity for positions as well. Absolutely. A lot of those attorneys will have maybe jobs in ethics in the future. Yeah, it should be really interesting. Yeah. Well, awesome. That was, this was a great conversation. I, I love talking about tech and I love talking about what, what this, this AI conversation could be very utopian or dystopian, right? right. <laughs> yes, it can. In the middle. <laughs> so I love having these conversations and then getting everyone's take on it. So Last question is, how can I audience, audience to get in touch with you or your company? Absolutely. You can reach us online at www.allyon.com. And hopefully we'll have a chat bot ready to assist you. Or you, I can also be reached 
by email anytime at rbar at allion.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Rebecca. Really nice to, I've learned a lot about you before, but nice to learn more and also have our audiences learn about you. So this was a great conversation. Thanks so much. Awesome. Thank you. I appreciate it.